Welcome to the first 218 podcast with me, Owain Gwynedd. I've collared the former Ospreys and Wales rugby player for a chat soon after he announced his retirement from playing rugby. He's achieved so much both for club and the country, but as we'll find out, he's got so much more to look forward to. James Hook, former Osprey and Wales international <laughs> now. How does retirement suit you? Uh, yeah, it feels a bit strange actually being called a retired player, but uh, no, I, I'm ready for it. I'm uh, obviously made my decision at the start of the year, so disappointed I couldn't have a couple of games to finish off, but um, obviously the nature of the what's going on in the world at the moment, I understand that and, and ask that really, so um, looking ahead to the future now. Yeah, how disappointing is that? Because can imagine every professional player at probably a certain time in your career you start thinking, "Oh, uh, the time is coming." You sort of kind of maybe fantasizing about how you, how your send off's going to be. Obviously, for you, it's probably been totally different. Yeah, yeah. Like you say so. I meant I announced my retirement at the start of the year. Then, obviously, once the lockdown was announced, you know, I sort of thought this, uh, we're not really playing any games, you know, anytime soon. So. You know, sort of dawned on me then, really, that I probably wouldn't play any games. And obviously talking about some games in, in August, a couple of games to sort of finish off last season, if you like. But, um, yeah, I, my contract ended last month. So, um, yeah, it's, like I say, it's uh, time to look to- towards the future now. Yeah, what have we been doing then in the last few months? Spending time with the family, I guess. Yeah, just trying to keep the kids busy and, uh, you know, just homeschooling stuff and all that. That's, that's been tough. But, uh, you know, we've had some great weather, haven't we? So I'm just trying to make the most of it. And it's been great, actually. Just, Spend some time with the family and get out in the boat. And uh, I got three boys, so they uh, they wild. So you know, you got to burn some energy off. Are you a good teacher? <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. A good, good rugby teacher. Not yeah, a yeah. math teacher. Oh, fair enough. Um, right, I thought I'd start with some some quick fire questions for you. Maybe give you some steer on what we'll talk about later on. But you know, it'll give us a quick taste. Okay. All right, so looking back at your career, so best player you played with? Uh, Shane Williams. Shane Williams, yeah. Best play you played against? Oh, probably Dan Carter or Johnny Wilkinson as a 10. You know, they were idols of mine growing up, so to play against them. Biggest, biggest influence? Oh, it's hard to pick just one person. I suppose my, my grandparents were a massive influence, my parents and my wife and kids. But like, I suppose like mini junior coaches I, I had, you know, um, we had a mini junior coach called Gackers, and as you know, uh, under eights, and then a coach called Mike Barnett, um, and then Patrick Ogan, which a lot of people would know as well. So they're all big influences throughout my career growing up. Um, this may be similar to, to uh, the earlier question: toughest or hardest opponent? And I was thinking here probably physically more than kind of skills-wise, like um, Johnny Wilkinson and Dan Carter. Uh so, as in, like, the most difficult to play against you on about now? Well, yeah, or just hardest, like the biggest nutter. Or the big, oh, flip the neck. Um, that's a tough fight. If we talk about playing-wise, I was thinking of someone like Regan King, who was difficult to play against. Yeah. But nutters, flip the neck. I think most of them were in our team in the Ospreys, so it's hard. <laughs> so, who were they then? Because I'm thinking, like, feel off TAT and... Uh... Yeah, yeah, Willie, well, he's the hardest teammate. Yeah. Definitely the hardest teammate. Um Great player, but uh, yeah, you wouldn't want to mess with him. Um, team or player you had the most niggle with? Oh, Scarlets. The Scarlets as a team. I think every time the Ospreys played the Scarlets, it was a massive game. And 
used to love love playing in those derbies, so there's always a bit of niggle there, guaranteed. Uh, worst trainer you know. Oh. Oh, there's a couple there's a couple of French props I played with in Perpignan. Um there's one called Georgie who uh I he was a great scrummager, so he, he got away with it. I don't know. He never trained, turned up late to meet in, so yeah, he, he wins it for me. Um most naturally gifted player you played with. So it doesn't mean yeah, he went all the way, but maybe just kind of somebody who you went, oh wow, he had talent. Oh Tipperick, probably. Okay. Uh, best coach? Uh, probably the coach I most enjoyed playing and that was, was Sean Olley and Lynn Jones that era. Yeah. Um, probably most successes as well at that time, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. A yeah. bit of self-assessment for you. Uh, your <laughs> best playing attribute? Oh. Handoff, maybe? Okay, okay, yeah, cool, yeah. Uh, your worst playing attribute? Harsh, <laughs> probably my speed. Oh, really? I wish, yeah, I wish, I wish I was quicker. I, I yeah. wish I had a bit more speed. Fair enough. I think everybody's like that. And they kind of, once you yeah, think, oh, I wish I was quicker. Yeah, uh, right. yeah cool. Good start. Um, take it back to the early days and at the Nice, at Nice and, and, and the Ospreys, then because you really hit the road running with Nice, kind of record points scored in the season, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, in my um, my first season, I think it was. Um, but yeah, like last couple of couple of weeks I spoke were obviously my niece days and um I I got, got selected to play for Wales um before I'd even started the game for the for the Ospreys and that was from from playing for, for Neath. Um Nigel Davis, Garth Jenkins had obviously been watching me and uh yeah, we had a great team there, you know. We won two league titles, got the, the Welsh Cup final in the Prince Valley Stadium. Um but some some really good players, you know, like um Andrew Bishop, Ian Evans. Yeah, uh, Alid Brew, Kevin James, Paul James, his brother, Richard Johnson on the wing, there's Wayne Mitchell in the centre, Patrick Ogan, like I say, who, who was a player coach for us at the time. There's so many good players in our Neath team, and uh, it was at the time as well where <clears throat> they do it now a little bit, but back then the Osprey players uh, who were playing for the Ospreys that weekend would drop down to to Bridgend, Neath, Aberavon, or whatever. So. You know, we had some of those players playing for us as well. It was, uh, yeah, good days, great days. Yeah, so, so when did you kind of start transitioning in, into the Ospreys teams? I imagine when you were at Neath, you, you pretty much heavily involved with the Ospreys then anyway. Uh, yeah, kind of. I was in the academy system. So some of those boys I just mentioned were in the academy with, uh, you know, we were all together in the academy. Um, and then, yeah, you have the odd training session with the first team, usually at the beginning of the week, you know, the skill session. And, you know, you join in with the odd weight session now and again. And, uh yeah, you just sort of transitioned in there. Like you say, the coaches would watch you playing for your, your clubs or Neath or Aberavon, Bajan, whoever it is. Um, and then, yeah, you get lucky enough, obviously, to have the odd game now and again and try and impress the coaches. Do you remember your first first pro game with the Ospreys? Who was it? Yeah, I remember one off the bench. So it was, it was my first season for Neath and there had a couple of injuries and it was in the Nall, actually. Um, I came on for about 10 minutes or maybe less than that against Cardiff Blues. Uh, I don't remember much about it. Come on at 10 and Kicked a couple of scruffy kicks, the touch, and just uh, just remember thinking, flipping out, you know, what, what am I doing here? Like, you know, because I remember thinking out know, how great it was to be playing for Neath and then to be playing for the Ospreys at, at that age. And then but I didn't play for the Ospreys then for another year and a half or so, I think it was. Yeah, nice to play them all, I imagine, because it's a great little stadium, isn't it? Kind of atmosphere wise, when I've been there, kind of when it's been jam packed. Oh, amazing. And back back in the day when I played for Neath, you know, the, the, the shed, as they call it, being the posts. 
mm. was always full and you'd have the big derbies, the Boxing Day derbies against uh, against Aberavon. It was packed, full house there. And it's great this season uh, to go back to Norway. We had a couple of games there this season. And uh, no, it's been great. So hopefully, you know, we'll hopefully play a few more games out down the line. Uh, so the Ospreys obviously came came quickly then and, and ways as you mentioned. Um, how special was that? Was it five years you had in that first block? How special was that period? Because it, it was success. Um, you know, a lot of big names playing for the club. It, it was a special, a special leader. Oh, we we had an amazing team. We look back now, you can't believe we had the, the amount of quality players we had in one team. And um, yeah, like I say, after my. 2006 uh, summer tour with Wales. I came back and still had to sort of establish myself in, in the team with the Ospreys. You had sort of Henson, there, Sean Connor, Matthew Jones at 10. Obviously, Henson was playing 12 as well. But even though I've had a Welsh cap, I still felt I had to establish myself in the team. And um, then Jones and Sean Ollie sort of made me bide my time and sort of prove myself, if you like. And uh, when I eventually did that, sort of end of 2006, um, yeah, like you say, it was, a, it was a great team. And then, obviously, 2007, 2008, some of the players we brought in from overseas as well to, to strengthen the squad. I think that's half the battle when you want to win trophies. Like, when internationals are away, you've got a squad there left behind who, who are going to you know, keep winning games. And you had people like Tia Tia, Jerry Collins, Marty Haller, Justin Marshall, Stefan Tablanche. You know, I'm forgetting probably loads. When they are, they are left behind when the internationals are away, you know, we obviously we, we went on to win things then. Yeah, talk to you about just because you mentioned him, Jerry Collins. Obviously, he's five years last week because it's since he's yeah. forty. What type of character was he? Because I just can imagine being a fan of rugby, kind of watching Jerry Collins play for New Zealand. You know, thinking he's coming over. Wow, he must have had a, some presence, some aura about him. Oh, he did. Yeah, and everyone had watched him playing for the All Blacks. And again, you know, we couldn't believe we'd signed such a quality player. Obviously, credit to Mike Cuddy and, and the board and all that for bringing him over. But yeah, he's. He he was on his own in fairness, like you know he's uh, after game, but a real real nice bloke and uh, like after the games, game. you know he just the boys would arrange to go to a pub, or, you know in Swansea or whatever, and Jerry would would disappear up, up the valley somewhere on his own to a random pub, and just just mingle with the locals, like you know, and probably they, they couldn't quite believe he'd uh, he turned up then. There's one story you might have heard where there was a game on, I don't know, as an international, he turned up at a random pub. They didn't have a a TV or a big enough TV, so we went out and bought the TV and uh, watched the game and then left the TV there for them. So, yeah, fair and, uh, and he was a hell of a player. Like, you know, the back row we had back then was unbelievable. Um, I can imagine as well, kind of, um, for you kind of breaking through a lot of, lot of personalities, strong personalities. Um, was it difficult or was it just kind of banter flying about all the time? <laughs> oh, it was constant banter, yeah. Uh, no, I it wasn't difficult. It was... It was brilliant. You just playing, playing. I suppose sport you love with your, with your, with your mates, like, and uh, we all got on. Um, I suppose that's probably the key to our success as well. And um, you know, the coaches understood that. As mentioned, like Lynn Jones, Sean Ollie, they understand it. The characters we had in the squad is probably a challenge for those at times. If you ask them, but uh, yeah, it was, it was a great bunch of boys. Because um, in that period, if I'm, if I'm right, thinking you have three Pro Twelve titles. Um, then three European or Heineken Cup quarterfinals. Yeah. Sense of looking back at you know comparing domestic to Europe, there was a slight bit of disappointment in Europe for you. Oh, and hundred percent. And what do you think about it now? Just mention the players we had in the squad. Um, we should have done better in Europe, really. Probably the best chance we had was two thousand and ten, the quarterfinal against Spirits. Um, we played them out out there in San Sebastian and. 
we should have won the game really. We um you know, they nicked it at the end and we had a chance to you know, there's a couple of decisions. The referee put his arm out for a penalty and mysteriously just dropped his arm and didn't give the penalty in the end, which we could have won the game. But obviously there's other things that happened in the game. But um that was our best chance. But you know, again after that even we, we sort of galvanised ourselves and went on to win the league at the end of that year. I remember we went on like a an old school tour, Sean Ollie called it. Uh, we had we had a couple of games that needed to be played, so we had to cram two games in the space of like five days in Ireland. So we went out there, and it was just after we lost the quarter final. And Sean Ollie said, "Look, boys, we're gonna go out there, just call it an old school tour, you know, enjoy each other's company." We ended up winning both games. Oh, really? Was was a league all done and dusted by then? No, 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 it wasn't. It wasn't. We needed a win, but you know, I think we were so gutted. So obviously, we'd won titles before. It was Europe we wanted. So even though we we were still in contention. Obviously, went on to win the league that year. Yeah. It was just a way of picking the boys up. It was, it was good man management, really. Yeah. Um, so, kind of just tra- transition to, into Wales. Um, was it 80... How many caps did you uh, 81 caps. Um, fantastic career. You know, two Grand Slams, um, a third championship as well. How do you look back at, at, at your international career? Huh? Oh, yeah, when you say 81 caps, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to have that many many caps. And I always go back to saying, you know, when, I, when I was growing up and I was watching, I think it was Neil Jenkins's final game for Wales, or his testimonial in the stadium, I can't remember what it was, but I went to watch from my schoolmates and looking at the programme, and he had 80 odd caps. And I was, and I was sitting there thinking, now, like, imagine having that many caps for Wales. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled to have had that many, but obviously it could have been more, but um, yeah, but it wasn't. But uh, yeah, some great success. And, a lot of my success with the Ospreys and Wales came at the start of my career, you know. So, um, you know, it seems a long time ago now, but uh, yeah, some some great memories in a Welsh jersey, in fairness. And really, with, with the same bunch of boys, kind of as a core group, because thinking about 2008 on the back of the 2007 World Cup disappointment, 2008 must have been <laughs> an awesome feeling, kind of winning a Grand Slam in the Gatland. Ah, oh, brilliant. And like you say, with all with all your mates, because that first game, obviously, you picked 13 or space against England. So, yeah, it was, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. Like I said at the start, you know, it basically was playing a job, doing a job you love with with your best mates and, uh, yeah, some great memories. Can I ask you about that England game? Because I've, I've heard a few stories about post-match England that, you know, yeah. all the boys had a few beers and, and Shane had a pop that, at Gatland um, that evening. Where were you in the middle of this? <laughs> I was just sitting back watching. I was, and uh, <laughs> I remember actually, and we it wasn't that uh, sort of big a night really. We didn't go in, on to, into the town or anything. We came back straight uh, from London, stayed in the hotel, and you know it was quite busy in the hotel. And um, yeah, I just remember waking up in the morning and you and Shane had offered Gatlin out. So uh, he, he obviously had to uh, make a few apologies in the morning, but. He, he didn't go on to have a bad year in the end, then Shane. Kind of yeah. the year, so. Yeah, so, so kind of in the Wales shirt, I, I assume that season probably amongst the highlights. What are the kind of um, moments stand up personally for you um, in the red shirt? Uh, I think probably my first game in the stadium, in the Millennium Stadium against Australia in 2006, where I came off the bench and, and we drew the game. Uh, you know, really. Big moment for me, just always growing up, would love, always wanted to play in the stadium and uh, to get a chance and, and, and have a good game. And then the year after against England, so uh, we would, we lost every game in our Six Nations and we had to beat England to avoid a wooden spoon. So it was my first game at 10 in our Six Nations. I played 12 throughout the, the, 
you know, the Six Nations before that, and um, yeah, had a full house, and we ended up beating, you know, a quality England team. So yeah, it's a good, it's a good few moments. Yeah, I always love playing against England for some reason. And beating them. <laughs> and beating them. Yeah. Uh, I remember I'm hearing you say not too long ago that one of your <clears throat> most disappointing moments for Wales was the semi-final where Sam got red carded. Yeah. I sort of sounded strange at the time, kind of disappointed at a semi-final, kind of you thinking what you achieved in that World Cup, and then again, just the overriding sense of disappointment of it all. Ah, uh, yeah, the, the whole World Cup was, was if I had to sort of say my most disappointing moment in rugby, that, that's it, without a doubt. It's like the, the semi-final match, the, just the whole World Cup in general, really, and I was played 15 um, the first game, and then the second game, Played full back and got injured after like half an hour. I tried to try to put a big hit on uh, one of the two Langy brothers, which uh, wasn't a good idea to be honest. And sort of, well, I thought I popped my shoulder, but I I sort of had a bit of a, a sort of stinger. My shoulder shifted a bit, so I was out for like three weeks for that World Cup. My next game then was the World Cup semi final, and um, I came on for a couple of minutes at the end against Ireland in the quarter final. Um, and yeah, everyone knows what happened in that game it was sickening really, and uh, definitely a low point of. You know my career and and the rest of the Welsh boys probably. Um, if you kind of round up that kind of maybe Gatland era that, that you were kind of involved with, how, how spe- do you think we'll kind of replicate that kind of era again? Um, thinking about Pivac and and what's to come. Oh, I hope so. Yeah, you know I think we always punch above our weight in Wales. In fairness, you know we we haven't got a big group or big pool of players and you know, the, the the talent we come that comes through is unbelievable. So. Um, yeah, I think, you know, obviously Pivac is, is a respected uh, coach, along with Stephen Jones, obviously a young coach, but the players respect him. So, yeah, there's no reason why we can't. You know, we look at the squad we've got now, we've got some great players, experienced boys and young players coming through. So, yeah, hopefully, but obviously you know, the Gatlin era was pretty special in terms of winning things. At the end of the day, you're judged on winning trophies and, uh, you know, he did that. I'm trying to think about the dates now. Would you have played with or against Stephen? Yeah, you would, wouldn't you? Yeah, both. Yeah, obviously played uh, with him for Wales and um, and against him, you know, with Ospreys and Scarlets. Yeah, how good is he? Kind of tactically minded. Oh, a great bloke. Love Steve, and he's like um, obviously yeah, tactically minded. Knows the game inside out. And I played a lot of games uh, in my early international career. Steve would play ten. I'd play in the centre, and um, <clears throat> you know, very uh, tactically aware. And obviously a great kicker of the ball, goal kicker. But you know, he's. Um, it's unflappable, really. You know what I mean? He's, uh, you know, I think he's he's, he's hundred caps, you know. So it just says it all, really. His, his experience was, uh, and and he helped me as well. I always say how much he sort of helped me grow, even though I was playing in the centre next to him. You know, as a ten, when I you know would go back to my region and play for for the Ospreys at ten, you know, I took on some of Steve's experience and and tips, really. Um, back to the kind of the end of the Ospreys days. Um, you joined Pep Pignor. Um. Well, what, what, can I take you through that period? Kind of, what, what was the reason for leaving? Because we always spoke about success. Was it just a case of new experiences or just, you know, what was it? Yeah, a bit of everything, really. You know, like obviously, the, financially, it was, it was sort of uh, a good move for me and um, a new experience. Yeah, you know, my, myself and my wife had moved out to West Morgan before that. So <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a chance for us to go and experience something. We played two years before in, um, in Perpignan for the Ospreys and the Heineken Cup. And, Never thinking it's you know a great place. So <clears throat> when they came in, they came in for me the year before I went, and I sort of didn't really look into it. Then they came for me again, and I was like, 
you know, she'll have a look at this really now. And a couple of the Osprey players were starting to move on at that time as well. So you could sort of see a little bit of a change there. So I thought, it's now or never, really. And um, <clears throat> I remember going up to the Vale Hotel, actually, to sign my contract. I signed the contract about six or seven months before the end of the season. Um, and I came away after signing it thinking, I knew deep down it was probably the right thing, but thinking, what, what the hell have I done? There's no turning back now. I'm going to France for three years, like, you know, and... Uh, but yeah, it was a great move for us and we, we, we really enjoyed it there. Uh, made some great friends and also Luke Chartwis uh, came out then in my second year. Uh, you know, it was a couple of sort of Luke Narrow with English back rower, Alistair Strokos, a Scottish uh, back rower was there at the same time and made you know, a lot of French friends as well, sort of in the game and just locally as well, you know, in, in the neighbourhood, which uh, we keep in touch with now. You know, French, <coughs> friends come over here for Christmas, we go over there and stay with them. You know, friends of my boys, uh, friends in school, you know. Um, any other clubs interested in you at the time? Uh, you know, anybody else kind of floating about? Uh, not at that time, because because I was in contract, it was only Perpignan that really seemed keen. Like I say, the year before I went, they were after me and I, you know, I sort of didn't, didn't really look into it. And then when they came again, you know, even though I was out of contract, they were like, you know, we really want you for when your contract ends. So that's when I made this, the decision to go. So, um, there probably there wasn't any clubs after me because you know I was under contract with the Ospreys, yeah. and you know, that's why I settled. It wasn't it wasn't enjoying it in the Ospreys. I was really enjoying my time there, but uh, it was just nice to have a change, and I, I don't regret it at all. Yeah. Then Gloucester came knocking. Um, was that again just kind of maybe a change again and come closer to home? Yeah, definitely come closer to home. That's, that's it. And I had a chance um, to go to Super Rugby to to Melbourne at the time. I went to Gloucester, and I did like half a season or six months in, in Australia, six months in Japan. But like I say, we've been a fans for three years and we felt, you know, we had a good opportunity to go to Gloucester and play in the English Premiership. And it is closer to home, only an hour and a half from where we live. So, yeah, it was, uh, I think that was the right choice as well. Cause I, I love playing for Gloucester. Great, great memories there as well. Yeah, I can imagine the crowds there were fantastic. Ah, oh, amazing. Like, the French crowds were brilliant, but, you know, if we've ever been to King's Home, have you been to King's Home at all? Or? I haven't actually, no. No, oh, I should go there. Go there like, on, a, on a Friday night, um, you know, maybe for one of the derbies against Bath or or Exeter or something. It's unbelievable atmosphere. But even even if it's uh, you know, uh, I don't know, like uh, an Ambling Cup, what do you call it now? The Anglo Welsh Cup, yeah. sorry, uh, game. You know, where a lot of the younger players are playing. You still have sort of eight, nine thousand supporters there. They they love it. They're mad for it. And um, as a player, running out in that crowd, that's 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 all you want. Yeah, I can imagine. So kind of. Comparing Pro 14 rugby, I'm sure you've had this question all the time. How brutal was the French league and the English league physically in comparison with Pro 14? So, as everybody kind of tends to say, there's no switch off in those leagues because of promotion, relegation, and so forth. Yeah, we're back here. You can maybe take a week off, then you know you can taper your training as well. Yeah, definitely. I think you would definitely manage more in the in the Pro 14 as it's called now, but um. Yeah, in, in France and, and Gloucester, like exactly what you say, the relegation was a massive factor and, and a big pressure on, on coaches and, and clubs, and especially in Perpignan. You know, we, we'd always seem to be battling that sort of bottom half of the table, so the games were, were huge every week, and particularly home games. So the amount of pressure on home games, you know, you could see, and then going away from home, you know, they almost you know, weren't expected to win. So, you know, if we had picked up a losing bonus point away from home, they, the, they were chuffed, you know, the coaches. And then we went to Biarritz, actually, and went away from home. A terrible night. It was a Friday night, hammering down with rain. But we, 
we ended up winning by like three points or six points or whatever. And because we'd won away from home, the president came in, he was telling everyone to keep the kit and, and all sorts. Like, you know, like we, we've only won one game away from home, like against, and they were bottom of the league at the time. That's how much a, a win away from home meant, like, you know? Yeah, we're all the kind of French presidents flamboyant. You get the kind of impression over here that they're all kind of maybe kind of a, a, a bit, um, you know, got a bit of screw loose. Oh, yeah. Like I say, so if you win a game, they come in and, you know, they're hugging you, kissing you, keep the jerseys, like they say. And if you lost a game, particularly if you lost a game at home, oh, it's tamping, fuming. Oh, and, uh, you know, you, you don't want to win a game, uh, lose a game away at home, sorry. Uh, and it's crazy because you could, you know, you could beat the the top of the league team at home sometimes with a bonus point win, and then go away the next week to to close to bottom of the league and lose by sort of three or four tries. It's, it's incredible the the mindset to home and away games. Was 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 training different there? As in both, same for both leagues. Was training different? Because again, there was a period wasn't there, where when the French players were seen as. Uh, then they're unfit, they just can't turn up, they do a few line-outs and, and they go home. Was that true? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of, yeah. Um, I didn't do a hard pre-season in France at all. You know, part of it probably used to do with, because I was with Wales in the summer and I'd come into Germany on training sort of late, late on. But I remember my first, sorry, my second season, so I'd been away with, uh, with Wales to, uh, to summer tour, I think it might have been Australia, South Africa actually. And, um, we had a game then because the top 14 starts a lot earlier. So we had a friendly game like the week after my first training session in pre-season. And my, basically my pre-season there was a lap around the pitch. The doctor would have a look, make sure I come back and fit. You know, you feel all right. And he was like, it wasn't even like 100%. It was like 50, 60%. You feel good. Your body feels good. There we are. Great. You're playing a friendly against Toulouse next week. And that was it. Like that was the pre-season. Really? Compare that to some of the Welsh pre-seasons in Switzerland and Doha and Poland and all that is, uh, is no, no, one love, no one they love there are there yeah I know I know um, okay so uh, take you back to kind of more recent times now then just Osprey's chapter two as you were um, how kind of just talk you through it kind of coming back um, how nice it was to come back but then again maybe the bittersweet of wasn't quite the same group of players, you know, different stage um, for the region as well in terms of success on the field. Yeah, no, it's completely different. And I always said, you know, when, when I left, I always said I, I really wanted to come back. And I, I genuinely meant that. So, you know, when I was in Gloucester and, you know, I had the chance to sign another three years in Gloucester after my, my first three years. Um, and I could have sort of finished my career there. But I, I had a long chat with my family and I was... Like, no, I'm ready to come back now. And, you know, I understood the, you know, even though Gloucester was an amazing club, I understood, um, you know, my, my sort of ambitions, if you like, after rugby and where I wanted to sort of be after I finished rugby. And it was in Swansea. So, um, yeah, coming back, I knew, obviously, it was a new group of players, uh, new coaching staff, all that. But, yeah, it was nice to come back, but completely different to what it was when I left. Yeah, because last season or two, really, it's been a funny old season for the Ospreys. You know, very much transition period with changing coaches, players. Um, where do you kind of see the, see the squad moving on now then? Yeah, it's been the last two years, like you say, in particular with you know, all the chat with the merger with the Scarlets. That was a dark time for the Ospreys. You know, I remember the players, so much uncertainty. Not just the players, the coaches, the, the backroom staff, the community staff. You know, we're all... It's all up in the air, you know. We we heard within like on a Monday, I think we heard that we may merge the Scarlets and people were losing jobs. And then 
you know, by the Wednesday, it was, it was sort of resolved. But um, oh, that couple of days was, yeah. you know, in the balance. So it wasn't great for the region. Yeah, well, I've been, you know, probably a few Scarlet fans who made me watch this, well, I've been rude to them in any way, shape or form. Could you stomach putting a Scarlet shirt on if, if that's how the merger would have worked? Oh, it, it would have been tough, but, you know, you're talking about jobs, you know. Yeah. But if that had happened, you know, obviously people would have, would have gone along with it, but you can imagine a lot of supporters wouldn't have gone along with it. You know, it's, uh, in terms of, you know, rivalries, you know, it's probably not the best team to, to merge with. So, yeah. I, I'm glad, obviously, that didn't happen. And Scarlet's probably agree as well. So, um, yeah, we, you had that. You had, obviously, the losing Steve Tandy as a coach, Alan Clark, more recently. Um, you know, players when I first came back, obviously, Dan Bigger sort of left, who was a big uh, big player for the region. Reese Webb went, obviously, he's coming back now. So, there's a lot of things going on, and that, that reflected in the performances on the pitch. And, you know, you could, we don't want to use excuses for the performances on the pitch because they weren't good enough. But, you know, I suppose the whole environment has got to be right if you want success. And you know, the last couple of years it hasn't been. But we've obviously got the new backers coming in now, which is great news, I think. Um, yeah. So they've taken over 70% of the region. And, you know, hopefully they've got big ambitions and we, hopefully we can be back to where the region used to be. Yeah, have you got any inside gossip about that then? How, how's that going to work? Does that kind of mean added investment in the squad? Um, I know you kind of still kind of partly be a bit on the coaching side um, on, the, on, the, on the youth level. We'll come on to that in a second. But have you had a bit of detail on how that's going to work? Uh, nothing really. Because obviously we haven't been in as players. We haven't seen each other. We've had a couple of, um, couple of minute Zoom calls just to tell us, you know, that we've got new, new owners and that sort of thing. But how it's going to work, we haven't got a clue as players. But, you know, I, I think it's got to be positive. Like I say, if we look back at what what it's been like the last couple of years, you know, I think it's a, it's a positive step in the right direction. When I've been out on on the bike with the kids or whatever, I spoke to a couple of Ospreys fans and they're really excited about it. So, yeah, you know, we need something to get excited about. So, like yeah. I say, hopefully we'll be back to winning way soon. Yeah, um, one mainstay, uh, kind of, I'll bring this kind of into a close soon. Uh, one mainstay for the Ospreys, kind of in that period, Alvin Jones. Um, I'm just thinking ahead, uh, ahead to hopefully... The, uh, the Lions tour is he going to be Lions captain oh there's a question now <laughs> well, he's got almost done everything right hasn't he, he yeah he's been a Wales captain see he's performed um, I'm just thinking kind of, that's maybe one, one of the few things kind of not quite on his CV yet fully as in going out as a tour as in the tour captain yeah, yeah. Uh, well there's no reason why he can't be and I suppose like the He's not, he's, he's not getting any younger, but he's not playing any games in this period. So, you know, he's, he's sort of saving his body a little bit. For that. You almost feel like he's, he's building up, waiting for that, for that Lions tour, you know, as like a, a finale, if you like, really. But um, oh, I, if he was named Lions captain, I don't think anyone would disagree, let's be fair. I think that's, you know, a decent way of putting it. There's obviously other contenders that go in fire on a Toji, these sort of boys. But um, I think if he, if he keeps himself fit, he's got to go on that tour, 100%. And, um, you know, if, if if he makes us the test fifteen, great. But you know, as a a midweek captain, even you know, he'd be, he'd be fantastic. So I think he'll definitely be having one eye on that. Yeah. Um, so kind of the obvious question: What next for James Hook? We know about your, your books um, yeah. and, and your coaching. So talk to you a bit about about those two. Yeah, well, obviously, I've got the, the books coming out in uh, October the first now. Um, you can pre-order them now. They're supposed to be out in the shops June the 4th, but obviously with everything going on, uh, you know, that's been put back. So the first one's out in October the 1st. 
Um, and yeah, I've been doing a bit of coaching with the, the Ospreys Academy with the under 18s, kicking coaching with the, the academy and some of the senior boys. Uh, been doing my level three coaching uh, course with the Welsh Rugby Union. I put on a really good professional players course over the last year, and we've been continuing that in lockdown on on Zoom calls like this, and and having sort of uh, different coaches come in and give us sort of presentations and things. So that's been good. So yeah, I, I think yeah, I definitely want to go into a, a bit of coaching when I finish. Yeah. Yeah. How do you enjoy that? Because I've seen you in in the dugout as you were with with Paul James when rugby pal was going on the apologies <laughs> game. Can I, how how's that relationship work? Flipping, he's a he's a boy in half ball. So uh, yeah, I, I he's he's a great bloke, and uh, I think uh, it, I think what, what, probably that everyone speaks about with coaching is working with people you uh, you enjoy being around. So I think uh, Paul James, we have our ups and downs, but uh, I think uh, I'd, I'd get on working with him. To be fair, so he's in the Ospreys Academy at the moment. So uh, yeah, we'll see see how it goes next year. Now, well, uh, well, let's cross fingers about next year whenever the, the season may may start or restart or whatever is happening. Um, but all I can say is probably on behalf of all the Ospreys fans and and Wales fans, thank you so much for your for your service uh, for your region and and for the country and. Enjoy your retirement if you can. <laughs> Top man. Cheers. Cheers, mate. All the best.